The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoop Ball. Hoop Ball, of course, is hoop-ball.com. That's the website. You can follow that news feed on Twitter at Hoop Ball Fantasy, and we will dive Right on in today. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday for those uninitiated. And by the way, side tangential thought here. When I say for those uninitiated, and I'm sure many of you are like, come on, Dan, I listen to this show every year or every episode for three, four years in a row. That may be true, but I constantly get notes from folks that are like, oh, I just I found your show like two weeks ago. I'm really happy I did, which, by the way, makes me feel wonderful. So, uh. Please don't be shy about doing that. You are not you are not bugging me when you're like, oh, I just found your show. That's freaking awesome. But it also means that I got to treat every show like it's somebody's first, and I intend to do that forever. So, reverse chronological lightning round Monday. Let's say one of you guys tuned in today for the first time. Basically, what we do is a full reset. Monday mornings, I guess it's the afternoon on the East Coast, Monday mornings are for... Re, not, I mean, resetting, maybe not even quite the right word. Weekends are complicated for whatever reason. We all have our lives that we're dealing with. We have things going on. So it's hard to watch every minute of every game the way that I might normally do, or maybe some of you guys do as well, is try to watch every game or as much basketball as humanly possible because during the week, we've got a schedule. Now, admittedly, my schedule the last couple of weeks has been all over the, all over the map, but in general... You know, you have your work day. Here on the Pacific Coast, work day ends. Games tend to begin pretty close to the end of said work day. We have, you know, 4 o'clock tip times out here. You work until 5 or 6, whatever it might be. I drive the nanny home in there. And then you got you got games and you got food and all that stuff. So there's, there's a routine to the midweek that gets blown up on the weekend. So on Mondays, I find it to be extremely helpful to just go backwards through the weekend, and look at each team's most recent ball game. So we'll do Sunday, we'll do Saturday. If anybody didn't play on those two days, we'll look at Friday for the stragglers. And that kind of gets us rebooted for the week ahead. Now we say, okay, this is what's been happening. These are some of the pickups that popped up over the weekend. You know, on Friday's shows, we talked about what we were looking for over the weekend, some of our uh, some of our pickups that we were eyeballing, hold guys, things of that nature. We can kind of uh, rehash those names. Like, for instance, and I, I finally have learned, it took me a long time to learn this valuable lesson to actually keep my Friday list open, the list I'm working off of when we do our Friday shows. The ads, for instance, like Theo Maladone, Sadiq Bey, they were okay. Neither one of them was fantastic over the weekend. I mentioned Royce O'Neal. I think the Jazz play the Jazz play the Clippers. Was that Friday? Was that the rematch day for those two teams? And I don't think Royce was all that great in that ball game. No, he was 
actually quite bad. He went 0 for 4 with six boards and three assists, but whatever. That hopefully just gets him to pop up on a few more waiver wires. Or like the hold guys from our Friday show. Uh, Duncan Robinson, uh, Gallo, Thad. Some of these guys are are equally difficult to hold right now. So let's start plowing through the weekend backwards. The reason we do it backwards is because we want everybody's most recent game, and then we'll pick things up from there. And at some point in today's show, I'm going to yell at you about ExpressVPN. So prepare yourselves for that. It is actually uh, very important. I need your guys' help on this one. And I've got a new, I've got some new copy to throw your way on that. So again, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Let's dive in. Boston, New Orleans, that was the early game. They went to overtime. Boston blew, I think it was a 24. Did I get that right? 24-point lead at one point in this one. The Time Lord was wonderful again. He played 21 minutes, which is way more than enough for him to have fantasy value. He is vastly under-rostered in fantasy leagues. And honestly, I can't blame teams because he goes through stretches where he just doesn't play. But he's actually number 85 in 15 and a half minutes of ballgame right now. He's going to get grabbed everywhere because he's basically had four really nice games in a row. 20 minutes, 19, 16, 21. Some of that is tied to the fact that Marcus Smart is still out. When he comes back, it pushes everybody up a notch, except Kemba, because Kemba's your point guard. Smart now the shooting guard instead of Jalen Brown. Brown now the small forward instead of Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum slides up to play power forward, which for Boston recently has been occupied by the likes of Daniel Tice with Tristan Thompson at center. And Tice played 39 minutes in this overtime game. You can presume that would be 34 in regulation. Tristan Thompson played 30 That'd be more like 25 in regulation. And so Robert Williams was left with still 21 center minutes. If Jason Tatum is playing 35 of his 40 or whatever, I mean, he played 36 regulation minutes in this ballgame. If he's playing, you know, 28 to 30, whatever it might be, even less than that, 24 to 30 of his minutes at power forward instead of small forward, that forces Tice into the three-way monster at center. That's why I'm a little bit worried about all of the centers in Boston. And it seems weird to think this way. But when Marcus Smart went down, Boston went big. That's why having a handcuff in the NBA is so rare these days. Remember 10 years ago, it was like, oh, you grab this guy as a handcuff, because if this dude goes down, he just slots right into the minutes. In Boston, their shooting guard went down for a month and a half, and so their backup center became valuable. Ha! Figure that out. Well, that's what we're paid to do, I guess. Or not paid to do. Uh, It's a free podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So, Time Lord must own right now, must start until Marcus Smart comes back. Then I think you reevaluate a little bit. Kind of the same story with Daniel Tice. I know Tristan Thompson had a good game on Sunday, but blech. New Orleans, big comeback in this one, led by Brandon Ingram's 33 Zion was uh, solid, if unspectacular. He did miss some free throws and uh, no real defensive stats here. Lonzo continues to play well. Josh Hart's been on about a month-long, I don't call it a heater. He's been on about a month-long hot plate, warming pad. I don't know, he's like a simmer. But he's been good enough. That's really the key here. He's been good enough. And if anyone ever gets moved, I mean, the Pelicans should be a seller, but they might not be. Willie Hernan Gomez got the start, played only 22 minutes, missed all three of his free throws, and it sounds like Steven Adams is back. So that one really annoyed me because I was super excited about streaming Willie, and the missed free throws were 
uh, yeah, that that made me angry. I, I don't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you guys can just drop Eric Bledsoe at this point. Just outright dump him. He's number 192, and he's showing no signs of improving. He's been horrible. Uh, his free throw percent is down. Field goal percent is down. No steals. No blocks. Two three-pointers. I mean, that's all you're getting at him right now. He's like a bad 3 and D player. If he gets moved, maybe he gets a, a better role. I mean, it, it's weird to think that like he couldn't carve himself out some kind of role on this team, but it that's the way it's gone so far. Thunder in Cleveland to take on just the absolute worst team in the NBA right now, and it's not close. The Cavaliers are atrocious. They hit eight three-pointers again. I mean, every time I look at a Cavs box score, they've hit eight three-pointers, and Isaac Okoro was responsible for four of those. And and the Thunder just smoked them, like, right from the outset. The Cavs have no offense. They're not stopping teams anymore. And you know, that slight indictment of the rest of the roster, I guess it seems like maybe Andre Drummond was doing more for this team than uh, than it was well, than it looked like. But they were bad even before that. Look at this roster, though, man. Chetty Osmond is playing 34 minutes, starting Isaac Okoro played 39 Jared Allen played 42 minutes, and he's going to be a fantasy stud the rest of the way. I mean, and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, they'll be fine in their own fantasy ways also. Sexton, by the way, remember he got off to that top 35 start. He's now back near the edge of the top 100. His steals have abandoned him, and his three-pointers have also gone down. Field goal percent has stayed pretty good, so I'm not worried about him. I'm just noting that he's kind of fallen back to where we thought he would be. My thoughts on Isaac Okoro, because I got that question on Twitter a little bit, is... He's a decent young ball player. Really, decent young ball player. But he played 39 minutes in this game, and basically all of them were at power forward. You know who's out for Cleveland right now? Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. Know what position those guys play? Power forward. And center. And Nance has actually played a little bit of small forward before. Those two guys will make this Cavs team a lot better. They are, you know, there's this addition by subtraction thing that happens with some players in the NBA. That's not what happened with Cleveland. They desperately desperately need Kevin Love to come score. Anything at all, like a post move, a three-pointer, whatever. His rebounding is also nice. And then with Larry Nance, you get the rebounding, the passing, the the actual defense. He's not going to score that much, but those two guys make a big difference to this team, and there will be some rust when they come back, but you can expect the Cavaliers to make a little push at that point. Not like playoff contention push, but just the opposite of what you're seeing right now, which is a team that's rolling over quickly. Thunderside, we were watching Theo Maladon, who played 33 minutes as the starting shooting guard, and, I mean, that's really all you want. Five turnovers was not good. That kind of depressed what was otherwise not a terrible line. He went five for seven from the field. That was good. 14 points, three threes, three assists. Those were the kind of the numbers we were watching, and then the hope was that he'd get one or two steals and he didn't get any in this game, so a little bit of a downer there. But the minutes is what you want. The He's a good free-throw shooter. Pre- presumably the turnovers won't be that high most games. And so I'm sticking with him. Diallo, Baisley, Dort, I am not sticking with. And you saw the issues with all of them. Each of those three guys showed their problem in this ballgame. Baisley, 2 for 7 from the field. Diallo, 5 for 9 at the free-throw line. Dort! 4 for 10 from the field, and just really didn't do anything, fantasy-wise. It's not there. Meanwhile, by the way, if you have an opportunity to make an Isaiah Roby grab, today Al Horford is expected to sit out the back-to-back for the Thunder, so you might have a little inside track there. But otherwise, nothing really changes. Just good to have Shea back 
and uh, feeling better. Where the hell is he on the year at this point? Look for the biggest name as you scroll down the board. 55? Eh, we got to get better than that. This is what we talked about going into draft day. Some guys have so much buzz that there's literally no way they can hit their mark. Some guys have a ton of buzz and then exceed it. Christian Wood seems to be a guy that prior to injury was on his way to doing that. But it's it's hard, man, to have as much buzz as those guys had and get anywhere near the ADP. Shea just kept getting pushed earlier, earlier. It was going in the second round. How the hell do you explain that? Detroit in Orlando lost by nine. This was, frankly, closer than it probably should have been. Detroit without DeLon Wright is going to have a lot of trouble. It's going to have to be a lot of Jeremy Grant. And one of the things that was pretty fugly in this ballgame is Josh Jackson took 23 damn shots. I know, I know he had been playing a bit better lately, but good Lord, volume is not your friend, Joshua Jackson. Uh, volume is not your friend. He's he's a percentages tank, and he'll probably score 15 to 20 points while DeLon Wright is out. But good gravy, he is going to hurt you along the way. He's one of those guys where I don't think volume, I think the more he gets out there, they, for points leagues, yeah, that's fine, but category leagues, it almost makes it worse. I don't think he's ever getting over the hump in category leagues, ever. Sadiq Bey was also a watch guy. He played 29 minutes in this loss at 11-8 and eight with a steal and three three-pointers, and that's fine. Seems like he's going to be a fine starter. I don't think he's going to blow the roof off, and I don't think he's going to be horrible because he will get you a few rebounds. He's just out there long enough to get him, and he shoots the three ball all right. Saban Lee, I might be mispronouncing that, came off the bench for Detroit and played relatively well as kind of your backup point guard because Dennis Smith Jr., was horrible, horrible, horrible. Listen, DSJ, he's not getting over the hump, so that's not a move you're making either. For Orlando, Vooch went nuts, but really this team turned when Evan Fournier came back. Michael Carter-Williams getting the starting point guard job and Evan Fournier returning completely changed the Orlando Magic because now they actually have uh, a point guard that can distribute, can drive and kick, is not looking to shoot, is a pass-first point guard. That's helpful for guys like Terrence Ross, for Fournier, for Vooch, who need the ball in a specific place at a specific time. They weren't getting that from Cole Anthony, with all apologies to the young fella. He's not a pass-first point guard. He's kind of a scoring guard playing point. couple thoughts on the Orlando Magic. First thought, when Aaron Gordon comes back, it changes the dynamic uh, quite a bit. It'll make them better. It'll make them better. He's He has his issues with percentages from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know what that means for Michael Carter-Williams in terms of what he's doing on the, the court right now. He's By the way, he's not a guy you need to start. We were sort of tracking him to see if maybe the scoring would come up a little bit. I, you got to like the nine rebounds, five assists. There's a weird inside track for Michael Carter-Williams to still have fantasy value. So I'm not giving up on him entirely, but the, the percentages are a killer, and the, the lack of scoring and the lack of three-pointers, it's probably going to be too big of a hill to overcome. When Gordon comes back and they run some more offense through him, at that point, you might see MCW's assist get so low that it's not even remotely close. But Fournier, he's been great lately, 29-7-7 in this ballgame. Alfruk Aminu started and played 19 minutes, but that's Gordon's spot. So he would presumably go back to the bench unless they played Aaron Gordon 
or Aminu at small forward. That's a possibility. Keep one very slight, tiny 10% eye on Alfaruk Aminu because this is a guy that the Magic signed. They wanted him to be sort of a stabilizing backup power forward for Jonathan Isaac, who remembers out for the whole year. And, you know, he's probably their first choice to play those minutes if he's healthy enough to do it. So now if he gets up to 28 to 30 minutes a ball game, he's a top 100 3 and D kind of guy. He'll hit you some threes. He'll get you some steals, some blocks. He's a pretty good rebounder, actually. But again, this is not this is not imminent. You don't need to jump on this right now. Philly-Toronto was a completely uninteresting fantasy game, right? Danny Green had uh, 10 cash counters, though. Fouled out in 24 minutes, but he was active. Nothing, literally nothing at all that I think is worth discussing in this game. Uh, Norman Powell finally had a slower one. That's about the only... Uh, news of the day. DeAndre Bembry got the start. Not necessarily for Kyle Lowry, but Lowry being out is what allowed Bembry to drop in. And uh, you're not making any moves there regardless. Keep streaming Norman Powell as long as somebody's hurt. And maybe even... Remember, they were healthy for like a day, and Powell still started. They played Siakam at center. Don't care about that ballgame. We'll keep shuffling along. Minnesota, narrow defeat at the hands of the New York Knicks. Everybody thought this game was going to be a blowout. The Wolves, after this ballgame, fired their head coach. Ryan Saunders out. Chris Finch, Raptors assistant, in. Which is a pretty weird story in and of itself, but this is a fantasy podcast, so we're not going to deep dive how you have a coaching replacement lined up before firing the first guy. That means Ryan Saunders was a dead man walking for a while, ladies and gentlemen. Ricky Rubio, 18 points, 6 assists. Missed two free throws, or it would have been a pretty damn good ball game. Boy, what if he goes 20 and... What if he went for 20 and 6 with a steal and a perfect free throw shooting? Anyway, he's locked in. We're good there. Beasley uh, didn't take shots. That was pretty weird. This game was slow and ugly, and New York played it the way they wanted to. And uh, Minnesota got stuck with some kind of clunky fantasy lines as a result. Cat, looking good, getting his wind back, getting his wrist back together. There was a little window there where you might have been able to buy him after, even after coming back from COVID, and uh, that's probably gone now. Nerlens Noel fouled out in 29 minutes of this ballgame, had 10-9 with a couple of blocks. That's beautiful. And then all of the timeshare guys are probably drops at this point. Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, None of these guys is consistently putting up numbers above the cut line. They might have a game here and then a game there, but in between there's usually one or two where they're just not playing well. So dump them all. Keep Randall, keep Noel, and if you're in a points league, you can probably keep R.J. Barrett, but that would be it. Teams need to figure out how to trap Trey Young. Denver didn't do it. Now, admittedly, they're still down a few guys. Nuggets are down a pair of power forwards. And that changes the way that they operate a little bit. But, I mean, this is a game that they needed to have a better game plan for. Will Barton came back for the Nuggets, played 26 minutes, and actually played relatively well. Michael Porter Jr. continues to stink so hard on defense they can't afford to keep him on the floor. Monty Morris played 32 bench minutes and played well. Facundo Campazzo played 26 bench minutes and also played relatively well. Here's the thing. By the way, Jamal Murray has been... I have to assume he's getting healthy. He's now up to number 54 on the year in nine-cat leagues. 
uh, he was hovering around near the edge of the top 100. The question is when, if ever, was he going to start to feel healthy? And I think he's getting there. These last few games, he was, he's been a monster. So if you bought low on Murray or you've been just sitting on him for a while, you got your guy now. Nikola Jokic had a rare off game. Do we give credit to Clint Capella? Because he kind of owned him in this one, or was it just one of those days? Regardless, the questions with the Nuggets are not around Murray and Jokic. The questions with the Nuggets are, which of these guys, if any, can stay above the cut line? What's the plan for how they get used going forward? No Gary Harris, no Paul Millsap, no Jamichael Green. So you're talking about a lot of minutes right there, and Gary Harris is... Uh, of those three guys, he's the one that's basically guaranteed 30 minutes when he's healthy because they desperately need his perimeter defense. That probably wipes out Morris or Campazzo or maybe even both. I really want one of those guys to stick. I just don't trust that they will. However, Gary Harris, notoriously slow healer. So in the short term, you could probably roll out Campazzo even in the lower minutes. He just sort of operates fantasy-wise quicker than does the king of assist-to-turnover ratio, Monty Morris. If Jermichael Green beats Paul Millsap back, he's probably a good start at power forward. If Paul Millsap beats Jermichael Green back, he's probably a good start at power forward because they don't really have a backup right now. If they come back at the exact same time, because that's the way it would go in fantasy, wouldn't it? Then they probably wipe each other out. Although, to be fair, Millsap was actually playing really well prior to having his knee bonked. On the Atlanta side, Gallo was a little bit better in this ballgame, efficiency-wise, but he only played 21 minutes. It's something weird going on there. I, I mean, monitor it. I don't think that you have to punt on Gallo yet. You, you hold there because you know the upside exists, but he's not getting anywhere near it. That's pretty much the only story on the Atlanta side. Trey Young, big ball game. Teams need to realize that the, the way to beat the Hawks is to get the ball out of his hands. They're not very good when Trey's not running the offense. They don't have a backup point guard right now. Rajon Rondo and Chris Dunn are both out. Backup point guard is Kevin Herter. Brooklyn beat the Clippers. That's an impressive win, by the way. This is the final day of a five-game road trip for the Brooklyn Nets, and they swept it. There was some news in this ballgame. First on the Clippers' side, Kawhi Leonard, big minutes. Paul George starting to get back up near full starters minutes and had a huge ball game. Ivica Zubac got himself a zoo, played 21 minutes. If you play 21 minutes and get really close to a, a bland double-double, that's now officially a Zubats. If you play 30 minutes and do it, that's a Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Zoo just does it quicker. Patrick Beverly, 28 minutes. I know he didn't have a good ball game, but to me, that makes him now addable. He's up at the, the minute threshold that Bev needs to be that top 100 fantasy guy. So I think you can probably drop him onto your... I would say your Roto rosters, I don't know about head-to-head. His his fantasy game makeup is a little bit goofball, uh, reliant on the .9 turnovers per game. That's certainly part of his value. But rebounds well from a point guard spot. It'll get you slightly sub-point guard level assists. He does steals, blocks, three-pointers. So there's that kind of quiet across-the-board stuff. And if you're punting points by any chance, then he makes a ton of sense. I know not everybody is, and I know I bring it up probably more often than I need to on this show. You guys know that I just kind of don't care about points, so that's why it comes up as often as it does. 
You could probably use that spot for streaming, though. That's that's the side. Of, that's the other side of this, where you know, I don't like. Does does Pat Bev move the needle in a in a special way? It, it, what if your team is already decent with turnovers? Then his value is not particularly strong. In any event, something to consider. He's about there now. The Brooklyn side. They went to a crazy short rotation in this ballgame, which, by the way, this is going to have implications. James Harden playing 41 minutes. I know he's super durable. Kyrie, 39. Joe Harris, 36. Jeff Green played 34 and then hurt his shoulder on a screen with the aforementioned Pat Beverly. And DeAndre Jordan played 31 minutes in this ballgame. Now, if Jeff Green has to miss any time, they're not going to have any choice but to play DeAndre probably close to 30 minutes of ballgame. So he's going to be a great short-term streamer. Sadly, he's vastly over-owned right now, despite kind of stinking. Played a little better here with, with Kevin Durant out, and that was part of it. And this DeAndre Jordan's turning into sort of a streamer with benefits, where he got his center job back because the power forward, Kevin Durant, went out, and that moved Jeff Green down a slot. And now he's going to potentially keep that gig, because the other center got hurt. So if you picked him up, you caught a break. Congratulations. That's good. That's good. Sacramento, they have lost seven in a row now. They've completely fallen apart at the seams. Uh, they did get Rashawn Holmes back for this ballgame. And he played 21 minutes. No Harrison Barnes yet, although it sounds like he's getting pretty close. And when he does, then you, you kind of know where your, your cash is with the Sacramento Kings. And on the Milwaukee side, Chris Middleton, huge ball game. Huge one, and uh, that actually that actually turned my opponent at Middleton, and it, it cost me two categories he went so big in that ballgame. When Middleton and Giannis both go huge on you, you're uh, in trouble. Bucks still without Drew Holiday. Hopefully he'll be back relatively soon, and uh, everything else is uh, more or less the status quo. So that was Sunday. Let's turn the page back to Saturday. Keep on rumbling here. I think we've hit a little bit more than half of the NBA. Warriors were in Charlotte. This is this was a truly hilarious end to a basketball game, unless you're a Warriors fan. Nothing fantasy-wise there, but Draymond Green did some stupid crap. Charlotte side. Uh, no Devontae Graham yet. Hopefully he'll be back. My guess is he comes out of the All-Star break. I don't think he's coming back before then, but uh, we shall see. LaMelo Ball didn't have a good game. And they won anyway because Terry Rozier has been so damn good this year. 36 points, another eight three-pointer game for Terry Rozier. Good Lord, what a year he's having. He's number 27 in 9-cat now, shooting damn near 50% from the field. I, you know, I hate to, to say it, but you probably sell on Rozier right now if you've got him anywhere. I can't imagine he shoots 50% for the entire year. But, you know, guys have these seasons where they just sort of explode. Miles Bridges on his way to turning back into a pumpkin. We called that one. And P.J. Washington getting his form back. And he might still be able to buy on, on P.J. Maybe not. Maybe not. Cody Zeller, five points, five boards. Is this the start of a, a slowdown for Cody? Or we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, we, we sort of know that there's that very obvious up and down to the Zeller fantasy season. It's the same thing every year, and you just kind of have to watch for it. Heat beat the Lakers, but who isn't these days? Lakers not very good without Anthony Davis, and with you know a lot of their other guys still kind of in a a uh, I don't want to call it a fog. Like we're halfway into the season now, but 
Their defense, which is next level great, is not the same without AD. And their offense, which is pretty damn impressive, not the same without Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. That's also been kind of a buzzkill for the Lakers. They need that other playmaker. Meanwhile, uh, I don't know how this happened, but Kendrick Nunn is actually continuing to have a nice run here. Goran Dragic being out is a, a good reason why, but Nunn has somehow thrust himself to the edge of the top 100 with this last, you know, it's basically since the beginning of February or so, he's been rolling and playing huge minutes in the process. So just keep trotting him out there until Goran Dragic shows up, and that's probably fine. Kelly Olynyk. Very quiet game, despite playing 29 minutes. You can probably stream his slot. I mean, you guys know I love Olenek. Uh, but he's number 116 on the year. He's playing enough minutes to be inside the top 100. He probably just needs a little warm stretch to get there. And I I do think that's still coming because he he's still holding on to the job. But I get it. That's hard to play 4-3-4 and four with a block when you trot that guy out there every night and you don't always know what you're going to get. It's it's he's very much that top 100 type where it's uh like a good two good games, two bad games kind of thing. It, there's there's no consistent. He doesn't get you a Zubats, which is like 11 and 8 anytime he plays. Olinix is going to be like 4 and 4 like this one and then he'll go for 17 and 8 with three three-pointers in the next one. On the Lakers' side, we were watching to see who was going to get the AD stuff. And this one, it was more Kyle Kuzma's shots, at the very least. 23 points, 4 boards, 4 three-pointers, but on terrible percentages, and that's the big risk with Kuz. I would rather Mark Gasol soak up some of that stuff. We know Montrez is going to do more. But Gasol, 5 boards, 3 assists, 2 blocks, 2 three-pointers. He's he's not that far, remarkably, from 9-cat value. It's it's the fact that he doesn't score at all that makes it almost impossible for him to get up and over the hump. Now, like, look at Mark. In the last week, he's averaging eight points, four boards, two and a half assists, 0.7 steals, 1.7 blocks, 2.33s. He's actually inside the top 90 over that very limited sample size. Problem is, if those eight and a half points drop to five or six points, he probably falls back outside the top 100. So you're stuck with this weird in-between that, you know, a guy that needs to score just enough to not be a complete disaster, but it's no guarantee that he does. KCP, Wesley Matthews, those guys both played pretty big minutes here. I think a lot of that has to do with Schroeder being out, certainly on the Wesley Matthews side. He was technically the starting point guard for this team. Uh, and so, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd take a risk on those dudes? Nah, I wouldn't. Memphis sat a bunch of their guys in this game with Phoenix, so you can throw a lot of it out. One thing we did like is that DeAnthony Melton, uh, with no Grayson Allen, by the way, played 27 minutes and looked really good. 11-6-4. Didn't get his usual steals and blocks, but Melton's a guy that I'm adding wherever I can because the upside is colossal. You know, every minute he plays, 24-ish minutes gets him to about the edge of the top 100, and then every minute over that, he leaps like eight more slots. It's, it's remarkable. 27, 28 minutes a game. He's an easy top 80 type of guy. I don't want to take anything away from the Phoenix side in this one. They, the starters were able to be... Starters were done halfway through the third quarter. Sacramento we talked about already. Chicago, boy, Zach Levine is a damn machine this year. Really a damn machine. Um, Thad Young's minutes a little lower in this one. I, I'm not 
worried yet because he still put up big numbers and they still love him. I talk about his, how he's basically been their MVP so far this year. Wendell Carter Jr., 33 minutes. Smaller fantasy line, but you have to love the minutes played. And so I'll stick with him. Although not indefinitely. You know, his fantasy numbers haven't been that great this year. Still, I think you got to ride it. Um, if he's playing the minutes, he should be able to get to the edge of the top 100 without a ton of competition there. Because he's not a bad free throw shooter. Not great, but not bad. Field goal percent is going to generally be good. He should be out-rebounding some of these other guys. Kings went small for stretches in this game, and I think that sort of screws up who's actually getting the rebounds. But, uh, yeah, you're you're sticking with Wendell Carter Jr. for now. Washington beat Portland on the road. Bradley Beal was big. Uh, Rui Hachimura had a rare non-point-and-rebound statistic with three steals, but that never keeps up. Russell Westbrook, 27-11-13. and 13. He finally had a... Like, this was a legitimately good game for him. I know he had seven turnovers and no defensive stats, but he didn't kill you with his percentages. He made good decisions on when to attack. That's why his field goal percent was better. And they won. They beat a better team. Not a great team. I mean, Portland is a bit hamstrung at the moment, but they've been winning. Davis Bertans was cold. He'll be fine. He played 34 minutes. That's what you're looking at there. He just didn't get that many clean looks off and you know when he did they weren't dropping and the center battle continues to be useless in Washington there's there is no one claiming the position and you can dump them all Portland's pretty obvious these days I think the only footnote on the Blazers is that Derek Jones Jr. seems to be settling into his current role whatever you want to call it you know high fly high flying rebound defensive act kind of guy That'll probably go, when C.J. McCollum comes back, it's going to push Gary Trent back to the bench, but it's also going to, just from a usage standpoint, it's going to make life harder on all these other guys. One of the nice things we've seen lately is that Rob Covington's been able to go bananas with his value, and his his shots haven't had to go up very much. I know he took 11 in this game, which was high for him, and playing the Wizards, you're always going to get a boatload of extra opportunities. But I mean, he's been taking seven, eight shots a ball game. The way his value has settled is that his field goal percent is slowly creeping up, and the steals and blocks have come around. Simple as that. Everybody's like, what about when Nurk comes back? Well, I mean, he's generally playing power forward right now anyway, but with Ennis Cantor soaking up almost all of the center minutes. You know, the handful of center minutes Rocco plays, that's, that's great and all. It hasn't been the big difference maker. He's just finally settled in. I do believe there's a team or two on Friday we haven't talked about yet. I know that the Spurs haven't played in a week and a half, so we won't talk about them. The Pacers haven't played in a while either because they had a Texas swing that pretty much all got canceled due to freezing snowstorms and power outages. The Mavericks haven't played in forever. The Rockets haven't played in forever. So we're not doing all 30 teams in this recap, and I guess it's possible that that's... That's all of them. Did we miss anybody that wasn't in in full postponement over the weekend? No. Well, Utah. Utah didn't play over the weekend, and that didn't have anything to do with postponements. But luckily, they don't really have any fantasy notes to go over. Mike Conley came back, which turns Joe Ingles into a nothing burger. Royce O'Neal had a bad ball game, but played 37 minutes. And despite that, he continues to be a solid contributor. He's right now he's at number 101 after that horrible game against the Clippers, but continues to be one of the most under-rostered fantasy players out there. 
A guy that when you grade him after a terrible ball game, he's at the back end of the top 100. And if you grade him after two decent ones in a row, he's at like 85. That's a guy, that's a must-start player. He's number 67, by the way, by totals on the year, which is also very useful when you're talking about head-to-head formats, which I know many of you play, despite how many times I yelled at you not to do it this year. How awful has head-to-head been this season? So awful. So completely awful. I had, I don't know if you guys saw this, the picture I posted on the interwebs, but my, I have a league where I was in second place two weeks ago. I'm in eighth place now, and the big reason why is injuries and postponements. And injuries have been a, a, a real bummer. I, you know, I lost Kawhi Leonard for a few ball games in there, Christian Wood, Aaron Gordon, TJ Warren have all been out long-term on this team. But if that wasn't good enough, uh, I also have two Spurs and three Pacers on that team. And normally I'm like, eh, I don't really care about having guys on the same team. But this this season is so special that because the Pacers and Spurs basically didn't play the entire week, my entire uh, 14-slot roster team had a total of 33 games the whole week. I just got wiped out in every counting stat. It wasn't even close. The, uh, Saturday alone, was it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday alone, McConnell, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Justin Holiday, Christian Wood, who his game was postponed, but he wasn't playing anyway, uh, Nerlens Noel, and TJ Warren, who was also hurt. All of those guys had their games postponed in one day. Seven guys. I was supposed to have eight guys play that day. I had one. It was Terry Rozier, and he went big, but still. One out of my eight guys played, and the other seven, even if Wood and Warren were healthy, they wouldn't have played. Game postponed. Utter stupidity. If this was a Roto League, I wouldn't even bat an eye. I'd be like, okay, cool, those guys will play that game later. But I lost a whole week because of one day where everybody had their games postponed, either because of COVID or, you know, lack of power, which, by the way, I hope everybody down there is staying safe. This stuff, you know, I, I remember, I'm thinking back, this is the, like, mid-show interlude where Dan reminisces about the past. I remember uh, Hurricane Katrina happened when I was just out of college. I think I was, like, one or maybe two years out. Was that 2006? I could look it up, but... Sort of defeats the purpose of the story to to slow it down. I just remember because, you know, I lived in California my whole life to that point. Southern, northern, sort of bouncing around between the, the, the two spots. And I just remember feeling like it was a world away. And then as you get older, you start to realize that all of this stuff impacts everyone. It's very easy to sort of distance yourself from something that's not happening immediately to you. Is the natural disaster in your backyard? Okay, I don't have to worry about it. But you really, you just can't, you can't operate that way. It's not healthy and it's not right. So please, one thing I'll note here in the middle of the show, please read a little bit about what's going on in Texas right now. It's very easy to ignore it because Lord knows we all have a lot going on with COVID and everything else this year. Like, we, did we need more crap to deal with? No. But check in on people you know down there and, and just sort of learn about what's happening. It's very easy to be callous and jaded if it's not happening directly to you. But just don't let that happen to you. That's, that's my request for today's show. My other request for today's show is to check out our buddies at ExpressVPN.com because we really need your help on this one. We want to get a new partnership going with these guys, and I need you guys to at least check out their services. And hell, maybe a handful of you decide you like it. And so, here are some of their 
most interesting recent talking points. Listen, here's a nice, they, they've, they've come up with a little, uh, a metaphor here, or a simile. When you use the bathroom, you close the door behind you, right? Some of you do. I know people that go to the bathroom with the door open and they're sick, disgusting humans. So let's assume you're in a, in a public restroom and it's not COVID. You don't want some person looking in on you. So why would you let people watch you when you're doing stuff online, whether it's paying your bills? I don't know. I mean, maybe you are doing something weird online. I don't care what it is you're doing, but don't let somebody watch you. Literally everything you do, your internet provider can see. Comcast, Verizon, Spectrum, whatever it is. They know every single website you've ever gone to. They can sell that information to ad companies, to tech giants, and they can target you. Like, what if you're... I mean, I'm not going to go into too deep, but you guys know what I'm talking about here. Like, I looked up a recipe for minestrone the other day, and I'll get ads on the sidebar now for frickin' beans. ExpressVPN, all VPNs really, but ExpressVPN is our buddies and they're the best. They put a stop to that type of stuff. It puts a secure encrypted tunnel around your device so that your activity can't be watched. I now use it on all of my devices now that they've, they've, give, they've been kind enough to give me a subscription. And so now I use it on everything because, listen, I don't feel like I have anything to hide, but I also don't really want everybody watching everything I'm doing. And if they want to watch... They should have to pay me, but that's a different thing altogether. ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, all of these, I'll call them nerd bucket <laughs> sources. And it's so simple. And this I didn't know until I figured it was going to be some weird ass thing where I had to like input a bunch of codes and look at matrix green numbers scrolling down my screen. It's not. You just turn it on, click one button. That's it. You open the program, you turn on the VPN service, and then you can use it. So go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Now, that's the link. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. You don't have to use a code or anything. If you go to that specific URL, that will unlock the hoopball bonus. The hoopball bonus is get a year, you get an extra three months free. 15 months for the price of 12 on your ExpressVPN uh, membership. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball also allows you to stream things from other places. Want to watch something that's only out in Japan? Great. You can use a VPN based in Japan. Sort of game the system a little bit that way. You know what I need to find out? I need to find out if it works on stuff like uh, League Pass or MLB TV. I'm going to hit up my guys at ExpressVPN and get an answer on that one. I'd love to tell you guys the answer to that tomorrow because we're sports people, right? I want to watch I want to watch Dodger games even if I'm not at home. But I can't on MLB TV because Spectrum carries them. That's nuts. I'm paying for Spectrum. I should be able to watch that damn game wherever I want. Not that's not even gaming the system. I'm paying for the station. Not really related to this ad read. You guys are listening to me now get launched off into a, a different tirade. Again, that is expressvpn.com. Express, V as in Victor, P as in Paul, N as in Nancy.com. Slash hoopball. Make sure you put that slash hoopball in the end or you don't get the extra three months. Thanks again to ExpressVPN and thanks to you guys for checking it out. Tonight, tonight on the docket, a Monday evening card that is somewhat short, just six games. Chicago is in Houston. Sounds like that game is good to go, so they'll 
uh, the Texas teams uh, not San Antonio are ready to play their ball games again. Chicago now favored by two. That game has swung pretty hard off the opening line. The Rockets were actually favored by a point, but I think it sounds like Victor Oladipo is still out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Houston's just been terrible lately. One of the questions I have is uh, Boogie is is questionable. Probable? Questionable, I think, with a foot issue. Supposedly he was going to get waived, which we probably need to take a second on that. And we will in just a moment. But from a fantasy standpoint, with the Rockets... if Boogie's getting waived at some point here soon, you have to you have to also imagine that means Christian Wood is not that far away. I would still think that he's coming back on the other side of the All-Star break. I don't feel like they have any reason to rush it. But in the meantime, guys like Jay Sean Tate, David Dewaba, Daniel House, they really could have a better track at value. And we're also hearing P.J. Tucker is on the block for the Rockets. If he gets moved, that opens up 30-plus minutes on the, at the power forward slot. So I think you probably have to add Jay Sean Tate if only because he now looks like your prototypical streamer with benefits. Meaning, yeah, he might get squeezed when Christian Wood comes back and fall back into that, okay, you know, he's one of three small forwards that are all trying to play together on this team, and they're all sort of uh, Tate, House, Nawaba, they're all fighting kind of for the same bucket of 40-some-odd, 50-some-odd minutes. But again, if Tucker gets moved out, then suddenly they're all fighting for a bucket of 70 minutes. You might actually see all three of them with value if Tucker gets traded and Boogie gets waived. Because Wood is going to play 30-some-odd minutes at center. The backup center at that point is... I, I honestly don't know who. It might, it might be... It might be Nawaba. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably have to search the search the archives for some it might be Bruno Caboclo if they bring him back but at power forward now there's nobody there's no one left PJ Tucker plays almost all of the power forward minutes and then Jay Sean Tate David Nwaba Daniel House those guys soak up the other ones John Wall Victor Oladipo those guys are going to play most of the uh, point guard shooting guard minutes Eric Gordon if if he's starting and Oladipo slides up to small forward even if you give each of those guys about 30 minutes of ball game you're talking about 18 backup minutes at each of the three initial slots, maybe wipe out the point guard, call it 36 backup minutes at shooting guard and small forward, and basically all 48 minutes at power forward. That's with Oladipo, Wall, and Gordon each getting 30, by the way. And that's with no center minutes on the board for these guys. So that's a really big deal. That's these three dudes fighting for now, what did I say, about 75 minutes-ish instead of 45 or 35. And 35-45 is, is inaccurate. I'm just talking about when the team is fully healthy. They probably, because they'll get a few backup minutes at a bunch of different places. But increase that number by P.J. Tucker's amount. And it, Tate becomes almost guaranteed value. Nawaba probably becomes guaranteed value. House gets really close. I don't know if you're picking up those guys because, you know, we might not see Tucker moved for a month, and I don't want to squat on David Nawaba and Daniel House for a month. But B, Tate I think you can squat on right now. And then those other guys you probably put on your hot-to-watch list. Heat are in Oklahoma City, favored by 7.5. Sounds again like no Al Horford in this one. Miami finishing up a uh, long road trip after a couple of nice wins for them. 
Fantasy-wise, I'd love to see Olenek bounce back. We'll see if uh, Kendrick Nunn can keep his stuff going on the Thunder side. Theo Maladone, Isaiah Roby, streamer. That's kind of all you got going out. This is a big number for the Heat to lay at the end of a long road trip. Thunder on a back-to-back after a win over the Cavs yesterday. Grizzlies are in Dallas to take on the well-rested Mavericks. So far, and this is kind of interesting, teams that haven't played in a few days have actually played pretty well when coming back. So it actually seems like the rest versus rust argument for a week off midseason has trended towards rest, which also tells me that these guys are all exhausted. This COVID season is is crushing the NBA players right now, and nobody's playing at full tilt. So you give them five, six days off between ballgames, and they come out ready to fire. They got healthy, but they didn't lose their rhythm. Slightly to Dallas in that regard. We'll see what the Grizzlies look like, because they got all sorts of bodies back. Justice Winslow returned and uh, got his usage, but that was without three main cogs. They arrested Grayson Allen, Brandon Clark, and DeAnt... Uh, do, 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 do. Who was the third rest guy on that game? It doesn't matter. It's a uh, slow-mo. Kyle Anderson was the third guy they rested over the weekend. So those guys will come back, and you know they've got 80 minutes to their name. JJJ apparently is not that far away. They're hoping, I think, on the other side of the All-Star break. I don't know how Justice Winslow finds the usage and minutes to be productive. He's not really a nine-cat guy and kind of never has been. You're watching him in points leagues, though. No question. Because if they're like, okay, Justice, you're the guy... And they just start throwing him out there. Which would surprise me, by the way, because I think this team wants to compete for that for that playoff spot. So I don't think they're going to just say, hey, it's your job. And it's even more bodies on a team that was already just kind of playing everybody 25 minutes a night. I got nothing on the Mavs side. Blazers in Phoenix taking on the Suns. Uh, nothing really big there to consider. Phoenix has looked really good lately. I know they blew one, but overall they've been kind of beating the hell out of teams. Blazers, is this the start of their slowdown after a hot stretch? Tough to say. Phoenix feels like the kind of team that could put the clamps on Dame just from a scheme standpoint. They will scheme for the Blazers better than other teams have. Uh, but betting-wise, I don't think I'm getting involved in this ball game. And fantasy-wise, I don't think there's a whole lot going on here. At least not stuff that we don't know about already. You know, you, you know the Blazers streamers. You know the Suns. It seems like Jay Crowder has sort of re-won that power forward job. And otherwise, what do you got? I just want to see DeAndre Ayton play better. Or do more, more than anything. Hornets in Utah. Jazz laying a lot. Woof. That's a big one. Um, it's a revenge game. Jazz beat the Hornets in Charlotte not that long ago. Man, I don't... Ugh, boy, how do you not take 13 points with a team that's not bad? That's the thing. You got to find a way to... Vegas needs a, needs money on the underdog in these games, so they've they've popped up the line pretty good right now. Fantasy-wise, um, this should be a relatively tough matchup for Cody Zeller. So if we were going to grade him on whether he's slowing down a little bit, going up against Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors is not the world's most fun situation and then with the jazz you know see if royce o'neill can bounce back to his late valuation the three and d kind of stuff otherwise not a whole lot mike conley just kind of getting his rhythm back wizards in la taking on the lakers this should be kind of a fun one lakers favored by seven washington's been playing well and the lakers have not 
You know, this is one of your situations where the underdog is starting to get a lot of love. Lakers have been a pretty easy fade lately. Their defense hasn't been as good. Their offense hasn't been as good. Sometimes I look at a line like this and I'm like, what am I what am I missing? Total is on the rise. So I think there's an expectation that, you know, this is gonna be a high scoring fun one. And in such a spot, I don't know how you I don't know how you fade. I don't know how you fade an underdog in that spot. Washington has the Clippers, by the way, tomorrow. And then the Nuggets, they go into altitude to finish up their four-gamer. But, like, this had to be a... Wizards have won four games in a row. They're warm right now. I don't know why you'd... The NBA's weird. Anything can happen. But I don't know why you would fade the hot team and back the cold one. Fantasy-wise, I don't know, man. Should I even mention Mark Gasol again? We just talked about him during our reverse chronological lightning round segment. Kuzma, I know everybody's going to be trotting Kuzma out there. He might do more harm than good, though. God, all I pushed on you guys today was ExpressVPN. That's a really low, that's a low-intensity promo day, isn't it? All right, that's fine. Please rate and review the podcast. You guys know the drill there. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to tell you guys a bit more about our buddies over at Manscaped and my bookie. I'm also going to tell you guys more about what we're recruiting for this week. We do recruiting pitch every week here on Fantasy NBA Today, and it continues to turn up folks that are like, you know what, I have had a huge passion for sports. But we'll tell you more about that on tomorrow's show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Vespers. Please do, please follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, and please drop a five-star review and subscribe if you just found this show or if you've been listening for a long time, whatever it happens to be. Every single time one of you does this, it is important don't think I'm just one subscriber or I'm just one review. This is really, this is super important to me. And if I happen to come across a funny review, I'll probably read it. I like a good laugh on a broadcast. Back at you Tuesday morning. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.